morning, everybody. Everybody doing well? I so appreciate you being here this morning. Thank you for taking time to come to church. Uh, Kurt already talked about our Christmas Eve service, but I just wanted to take a minute and thank you and to encourage you. Uh, Christmas is a great time to invite your friends and family to church. People who normally don't even go to church and who are not even interested in church uh, will come to church for a Christmas Eve service. And uh, we're going to, just like Kurt said, we're going to celebrate Jesus. We're going to do candlelight. We're going to sing. And then we're going to give everyone an opportunity uh, to hear the simple message of the gospel and to receive Christ. And uh, Kurt talked about these cards. I just want to encourage you, even if you think sometimes, you know, it's uncomfortable to invite somebody to church or you feel embarrassed, Christmas a lot of times takes care of that. People have open hearts during the holidays, and you can very easily hand a friend or a neighbor one of these cards and say, I'd love to have you come to our Christmas Eve service. It's going to be at the high school auditorium. There's plenty of parking. There's plenty of room to sit. Uh, That's why we decided to do it there so we didn't have to cram everybody into here. And uh, so I just wanted to encourage you, uh, even if if you prayed about somebody that you wanted to invite, uh, and just pray over them and hand them a card, and uh, we want to minister to the community, and Christmas is a great time to do it. Amen? I know if you have children or grandchildren, uh, you probably are thinking about buying them a toy, or maybe you already have bought them some toys for Christmas. Uh, we have, a, a, of course, an 11-month-old granddaughter, and uh, we went and picked up a present for her yesterday, and it's, I, I can't tell you how big it's, right? So, so, you know, we're already out of control. Okay. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. I wanted to share with you uh, some of the favorite toys people bought for Christmas over the decades. So here's the 50s. These are the top favorite three toys bought at Christmas time in the 50s. The first one was Barbie, uh, the Barbies. All right, the second is Play-Doh, uh, and the third are Pogo Sticks. Uh, when Ashley was a little girl, she had a Pogo Stick, and we still have it in the garage. So if you'd like to come by and look at it, I'd let you. All right. Uh, the 60s, Legos were a big Christmas gift, along with an easy-bake oven. All right, you remember those? Ashley got one of those for Christmas, and she still has it. I'll let you look at that, too, if you'd like. All right. Uh, then the last one was Hot Wheel Cars, the 70s. The 70s, that's when Star Wars came out in the 70s. And so Star Wars action figures, the Rubik's Cube. How many of you remember the Rubik's Cube, right? That stupid thing. Who would ever buy one of those, right? Then the last one was the Pet Rock, okay? Pet Rock. Uh, isn't that crazy? Okay. The 80s. The 80s were Care Bears. Do you all remember Care Bears? Okay. Then Transformers. The Transformers came out then. And then this one, the infamous Cabbage Patch Doll. All right. Do, do you remember people on the street corners holding up Cabbage Patch Dolls to sell them? And they wanted like two and $300 for them. No, that, was, that was crazy. All right. The 90s. The 90s was Nintendo. And then this is kind of strange. The Super Soaker Water Hose. Super, can you imagine you got a Nintendo and a water, I'm not water hose, water gun, right? Water gun, okay. Uh, The 90s was, of course, PlayStation, the Xbox, and then the video game Guitar Hero. Uh, Then in the 2000s up to now uh, is the uh, iPad. The iPhone was also included. I I can't imagine as a kid if my parents had given me a phone for Christmas. I'd have thought something was wrong with them, right? Uh, Phones have changed a little bit. So iPad, and then the last one that's been very popular is Tickle Me Elmo. Tickle Me Elmo. So you either get an iPad or Tickle Me Elmo. So when you're buying gifts, think about how old some of those gifts are and that we still buy them and we, and, and we, still, we still give them as gifts. I thought it was pretty interesting. All right, bow your head with me for just a moment. Let me pray, and then I want to get into my message. Father, I love you. Lord Jesus, I thank you as I open my mouth and, and, and share your word. 
that you fill my thoughts, you fill my words. Father, I pray that your people who are here, I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful that, Father God, their ears would be open to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want to share with you this morning three eternal truths. Three eternal truths. Every story that you've ever heard within that story are three eternal truths. Here's what I know about everybody in this room. Everybody in this room enjoys a good story. And you think, well, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, you think about your favorite movie, or if you're a reader, think about your favorite book. All of us enjoy a good story. When a child is really small and they go to bed at night, what do they say? Mommy, read me a story. Daddy, tell me a story. When you think about your favorite movie, that favorite movie is a story. Have you ever watched a show at night, maybe a movie or maybe something on television? Vicki does this. You know, she'll start something on television, and then it doesn't end till after her bedtime. And so she'll, now I don't mean like I have a designated bedtime for her, okay? That sounded weird, didn't it? Okay. Uh, it, she, she stays up late watching this movie. And why? Because she wants to know how the story ends. All right, listen. The Bible is a story. All right, now it's full of stories, but it's the story of God's love for you, of God's restoration for you. The Bible, in fact, is a love story, and it's your love story. Now, I love to study the Bible. I do it all the time. And you can really dissect it down. You know, you can get down to the tiny pieces and word meanings, and I love to do all that. But sometimes you have to be careful because you can dissect it down so small that you forget that it is a story. It is the story of God's heart for you. It is the story of God sending his own son and flesh to die on the cross to save you and to save I. And, and we can lose that sometimes. You know, if you've ever been in science class or went to college, and took an anatomy class, uh, you know, if you ever had to dissect a cat, I can remember being in college, and, you know, you would dissect it and look at all the body parts. But when you got finished with that, there wasn't much of a cat left, right? It was just parts, okay? Well, you can do the same thing to the Bible if you're not careful. You can dissect it down so much that you can, you can lose the whole of the story. Now, here's the first eternal truth in every story. It's very simple, but it's very powerful. There's more going on than meets the eye. There's more going on than meets the eye. What do you mean, Pastor? All right, we know Jesus was more than a baby, wasn't he? He was more than a carpenter. Paul was more than a tent maker. David was more than a shepherd boy. There was more going on in these people's lives than meets the eye. Now, don't miss this. There's more going on in your life that meets the eye. If you remember the story of David when he was a boy, the prophet came to his mom and dad's house and said, hey, line up all of your brothers, all of your sons. Uh, God told me one of your sons is going to be king of Israel. Well, dad invited everybody to the party except for David because he was the baby and he was so insignificant, they left him out taking care of the sheep. And the prophet looked at all the sons and said, well, I don't, I don't see the one that God has told me. Do you have any other sons? And of course, course he said yeah I do but David but he's outside now here's what's so powerful about that story you see all dad saw was a shepherd God saw a king now don't miss that all right now listen to me very carefully if you only see yourself through the eyes of others whether it's a mom a dad a coach it doesn't matter who it is you will probably not see yourself the way God sees you if you only see yourself through the eyes of other people and what they say about you, you may not see yourself the way God sees you. How do you see yourself the way God sees you? Well, it's very simple and very powerful. You read the story. 
You take time to read the Bible. You take time to read the New Testament. And you know what will happen to you? You'll begin to see yourself the way God sees you. You know, there's a story in Luke 24 of two men who were on the road to Emmaus. And Jesus has been crucified. Jesus has died, and as far as they're concerned, he's, he's dead. See, there'd never been a resurrection up to that point. So when Jesus died on the cross, all the men and women who'd put their hope in Jesus, they thought Jesus was going to do some amazing things, and he did do amazing things, but they didn't plan on him dying. And when he died, they didn't, they didn't think about him raising from the dead. Now, he told them he was going to, but they didn't believe him. So these two men in Luke 24 are on the road to Emmaus, and they're dejected. They're heartbroken. They're discouraged and as they're walking along on the road jesus steps up to them and begins to walk with them and they and they begin to talk to jesus and they ask him uh hey what's going on and and jesus they don't know it's him they they don't recognize him and they say are you from the moon do you not do you not know that jesus of nazareth has died and it says he explained to them everything about himself in the new testament And when they got to the house, they said, hey, why don't you come in and have dinner with us? And they broke bread, and they took wine, which represents the communion table, and it says their eyes were open. And when their eyes were open and they saw Jesus for who he was, it says he disappeared. Now, here's what they said. They said, did our hearts not burn within us? They didn't recognize Jesus. He didn't reveal himself to them. They didn't know who he was, but their hearts burned within them. Now, I don't want you to miss this. You see, there's more going on in your life than you think. God is doing more in your life than you're aware of. And your heart can be burning on the inside of you, even though you may not see it, you may not recognize it. Now, I want to read to you out of Matthew chapter 1 this morning, starting with verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18, and I'm going to read to you out of the New King James Listen to what this says. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed, we know, engaged to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take to you, Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you'll call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, that which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and she'll bear a son, and they'll call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took to him his wife, and he did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and she called his name Jesus. Now, my point this morning that I want to get to you is this. There was more going on in that story than meets the eye. There's more going on in your life than meets the eye. Now, we know this story. You know, Kurt cautioned us last week in church to not let Christmas be stolen. This story can be so familiar to us as Christians that if you're not careful, it can be stolen from you. But I want to show you a couple of amazing things. 
We know about Mary and Joseph. She had a visitation from an angel, and the angel said, you're favored from God. You're going to have the Son of God, and he's going to be born to you. Then an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, hey, this is God's son, and I want you to go ahead and marry her. And we know the story. They went to Bethlehem, and they were there because of being taxed by Caesar, and they had to go for a census, and there wasn't anywhere for them to stay, so they're out in the stable. And we know it, but it's important to understand Jesus wasn't born in the palace. He wasn't born in a five-star hotel. He wasn't even born in a one-star hotel. I mean, if there had been a Motel 6, there wasn't even any room at the Motel 6, right? And, and he's in a stable, but here's what's interesting. God chose to reveal himself to a young Jewish girl and to her blue-collar fiancé, then husband. Then he chose to reveal himself to some blue-collar workers out in the field. They were called shepherds, and they're working the night shift. Now, I'm not picking on shepherds at all, but they, that wasn't a very powerful job. That wasn't a very, a, a very important job. They're working the night shift, watching somebody else's sheep. And the angels appear, and they sing, and they reveal themselves to them out of nowhere, and they go into town to see Jesus. Then there's some guys who are stargazers. And they would read the Old Testament, and then they would study the stars. We call them the wise men. And they studied the stars, and they read the Scripture, and they read the Scripture, and they studied the stars, and they figured out, hey, something's happening. There's a Messiah coming, and they traveled to see Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see that's so amazing to me and so powerful. They were just ordinary people. They were people just like us. They were people who could have lived in Tulia. They were folks who drove trucks and worked the night shift and and were hungry for something besides what they had. They wanted more. And God began to reveal himself to them. And what they found out was things that were going on in their life were more than what they thought. Let me show you something amazing. You see, I believe God's moving in your life in a supernatural way. You just don't always see it. You see, you know what happens to us? Where we look for the stupendous and we miss the supernatural. Isn't it true? Yeah, it, we're, looking for, we're looking for the stupendous and we miss the supernatural. And that's exactly what happened to them. Now, let me read you just some simple thoughts about what I think Christmas is. Christmas is about restoration. Christmas is about forgiveness. Christmas is about second chances. Christmas is about God taking the broken pieces of your life and putting them back together. You know, one of the attributes of holiness is wholeness. And I'm talking about the word H-O-L-Y, holy. Okay, if you've ever been beat with the stick of holiness in church, that you've got to look a certain way, you have to do certain things to be holy, when in fact, holy means wholeness. It means God wants to take the pieces of your broken heart and he wants to put them back together. Listen to it again. He wants to restore you. He wants to give you a second chance or a third chance or a fourth chance. But a lot of times we miss it. We miss it. Now, this is where I want to caution you. This is where I, I want you to leave this morning with this thought. Things are moving in your life more than you realize. God's doing more in your family than you realize. And the word I'm thinking about is the word restoration. Now, here's what's amazing. You see, as your pastor, as I look across this room, I, and I see each one of you on a regular basis, I see your hurts. I see your brokenness. I see your discouragement. I see at times your lukewarmness. I see sometimes your disinterest in the things of God 
and, and I pray for you regularly, but then I also see your progress. I see your journey. As I look across this room, I think of how many of you in this room, and all of you are on a journey, but I can look at you and see how God's done amazing things in your life and how God has brought restoration. But here's what else I know. Sometimes you don't see it. Your family sure doesn't always see it. I could call names this morning, people who are here and people who are not here, and I could begin to tell their story. And they would have family who wouldn't even recognize that it was God that had been moving. They've categorized it as something else. Now, don't miss this. There's more going on in your life than meets the eye. God is doing more in you than you recognize. He's doing more in you than you realize. And I just want to encourage you to open your eyes. And I want to encourage you to stop looking for the stupendous and start recognizing the supernatural. My wife has a sister. It's her only sister. And they're about 10 years apart. She's younger than Vicki and I. When Vicki and I got married, she was just a kid. She was 10 years younger than us. She'd come to our house and spend the night. And we watched her grow up. We watched her graduate high school. And she grew up in Plainview. And uh, she graduated from Plainview High School and then moved on to Lubbock to go to school. And she was interested in nursing. And so she got involved in nursing school and graduated. Well, as, as would have it with any young girl, she met a young man. And, and uh, they got married. And I remember the wedding. And they were married for a few years. And they didn't have children. And as circumstances would have it, uh, they, they didn't stay married. They ended up divorcing. And that marriage ended and uh, she had a job and still continued to live in Lubbock. And as she lived, she's young. As she lived, she met another guy and uh, met this, this gentleman. And they began to date. And, and as circumstances would have it, they married. And uh, for whatever reason, uh, that marriage didn't last either. And she divorced him. And she has no children. And she's been divorced twice. And here's what happened to her. She has a nice house. She had a nice car. She had a nice job, had a couple of cute dogs, and she just kind of settled in. And she settled into a life of, well, maybe I'm going to be alone the rest of my life. And I'm childless. It's too late for me to have children. And because of choices and decisions, she just kind of settled in. All right, now don't miss this. This is really powerful. Let me give you an example in my own life. I was an asthmatic as a kid. And struggled big time with asthma. In the hospital quite a bit. Lots of breathing treatments, pneumonia. I've done all of that. And what happened is over the years, it kind of became part of who I was. Does that make sense? I, I, you know, I wasn't Rusty the Asthmatic, but in a sense, I was Rusty the Asthmatic. And, you know, I went to the doctor so much. It kind of just became part of my identity. And I kind of took it on. And... Through, the, through my life, God has really healed me and restored me. And there's times I can struggle with it, but it's not anything like it was. But I had to get that off of me mentally that that's who I was. I hope I'm making sense. I know there's some of you in here that there's something in your life you've taken on and it's kind of become part of who you are. Well, my sister-in-law did the very same thing. She just kind of embraced this idea a little bit that, you know, and her life was good. Don't misunderstand me. Beautiful home, be- good job, nice car, two cute dogs. But she just kind of embraced this idea that maybe it isn't going to happen for me. Well, Vicki and I pray for her. We always have prayed for her. And, uh, you know, when we became Christians and began to pray, she's family. So we prayed for her, just like your family, and I pray for you. And uh, you get prayer regularly because you're a part of Tui Christian Fellowship. Well, we're praying for her. And we, would, we wanted her, I'll just tell you, we wanted her to meet somebody. 
we wanted her to fall in love. We wanted her to get married. We didn't want her to be alone. And uh, we wanted that for her. And she would date occasionally. And, of course, you know, very cautious. You know, she'd been hurt. And we would continue to pray. Well, she met someone. And this gentleman is a widower. And he has two grown children. And they're married. And they, between the two, have six small children. So he has six young, small grandchildren. Well, we just prayed and held our breath. And you know how you, you know, right? You know, it's like somebody says, are the Cowboys going to win the Super Bowl? I don't even dare think it. Okay? I don't even dare. You know what I'm saying? It's like if you think it, it's like, ugh. It makes me nervous. You know, because you, you know what can happen. If, right? You, you're with me, right? You, have you wanted something, but you hold your breath because you're afraid if you want it, it won't happen and you'll be disappointed. That's how we felt. But we continued to pray. Well, they have married. And here's what happened. She married this gentleman. He's, he's a Christian. And now she has two grown children and a daughter-in-law and a son-in-law. And she has six small grandchildren. Now, I want to make a point here. It's really, it really matters. The grandchildren are very young. They're very small. And they're going to know her as Meemaw. That's what I called my grandmother, Meemaw, whatever you call yours. They're going to know her as Meemaw all their life. And as they grow up and go to school, as they graduate, as they move into college, as they get married, her sister will be their grandmother. Now, here's what I want you to see that's so amazing to me. God has restored her life. Now, don't miss this. Was it, was it spectacular? Was it, was, was, it, was it all that? No, no, it wasn't. But it's absolutely supernatural. Now, see, you got two choices this morning. To me, it's amazing. you got two choices. You can be on the side of, well, this is all natural, and those kids really aren't her kids, and blah, blah, blah. And I don't believe that. Or you can move into, hey, this wasn't stupendous, but it is supernatural. And God has restored her life. And she's a wife, she's a mother, and she's a grandmother in one swoop. Now, I only have one grandchild, and now she has six, and I'm mad and I'm jealous. But here's what's amazing about it. It wasn't too late for her God restored. The Bible says God will restore what the canker worm has eaten away. That's an example of life. God will restore the decisions you've made. Now, don't miss this. Christians, we can be so guilty of this. See, can you pray for me? Oh, I can pray for you. You know, I want to pray for you to be healed. But see, we think sometimes if people have done wrong things, then maybe they're not going to get healed or or God isn't going to move in their life. Here's a very simple example. Oh, you know, I think I might have lung cancer and I've smoked my whole life. Well, we can't pray for you because you brought that on yourself. And I want you to know how wrong that is. Now, don't miss this. Listen, I've been forgiven a debt I couldn't pay. I deserve death, hell, and the grave. I deserve destruction, but I don't get it because of the grace of God. Listen, there's nothing you've done in your life that God won't heal and God won't restore. And don't ever think for a minute, well, you brought that on yourself, so you deserve it. Listen, I deserve it. We all deserve it. Are you with me? But we don't get what we deserve, thank God. We get the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. So God has restored her life. And she's a wife, and she's a mother, and she's a grandmother. And I want you to know how much it's encouraged me 
as a Christian, as a pastor, how much it's encouraged me to watch God restore her life. You see, there's more to her life than meets the eye. There's more to your life than meets the eye. Now, don't miss this, because this is for every person in the room. No matter what you're facing, no matter what it is that's in your heart. So you think sometimes, well, you know, hey, do you like love stories? No. And the reason you don't like love stories is because you've been hurt. And so you harden your heart to protect yourself. Listen, it's never too late for God to restore you. You're not too old. It hasn't been too long. God will heal. God will restore. God will put back together your life. That's why Jesus came to the earth. That's why we celebrate Christmas. Listen, whatever you're hanging on for, maybe it's healing, maybe it's finances, maybe it's a marriage, maybe it's a relationship with a child. I don't know what it is in your life. God needs to do something in your life and you're hanging on. Listen to me. It's not too late. God wants to heal. God wants to restore. God wants to put back together. Now, she's just one example, but I can tell you story after story after story of people who I've seen their lives restored. And, oh, it may not be stupendous, but it absolutely is supernatural. It absolutely is the grace of God. I just want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to open your eyes. Ask God. God, open my eyes. Help me see. Help me see what you're doing in my life. Help me see the supernatural all around me. Help me see the restoration in my life. Help me see the restoration in my family's life. Lord, take the blinders and the scales off so I can be encouraged. Because he wants to heal. He wants to redeem. And he wants to restore. You know, I can't help but look right over here in this corner and think about your son and what God has done in your life. And we, amen, and we could just, I can go around this room and point people out and see how God's restored, how God is healing, how God is moving. And he's doing it right now, and he's going to continue to do it. Just open your eyes and see. Amen? All right, bow your head and let me pray for you this morning. Father God, I'm so thankful for the Christmas season. I'm so thankful for Jesus, our Savior. I'm so thankful that there's more to us than meets the eye that you're doing more sometimes than we recognize and see. And Jesus, I want to pray for every person here this morning that you would open their eyes. You would open their eyes. You would open my eyes and that we would see. We'd look past the stupendous and we'd see the supernatural. We'd see the miracles all around us every day. And Lord, that it's not too late for any of us. Lord, I've been so encouraged to see how you've restored my sister-in-law's life. I've been so moved to see how you've touched her. And Father, it gives me hope and it gives me courage because I know that we are all your favorites. You love every one of us and you want to move in all of our lives. Father, bring hope, bring courage, and bring strength. In Jesus' name I pray.